Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 15 of Revelation chapter 21, and we're continuing to look at verse 6. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. In our last study, we were looking at the second part of verse 6, the last part, where God is... Uh, making this statement that he will give unto him that's a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. And uh, it was pointed out at that time, the context of Revelation 21 is the last day. It's the end of the world. According to verse 1, the first heaven and the first earth are passed away, and a new heaven and new earth was seen. It's the time... When uh, tears are wiped away, it is stated that there is no more death, nor crying, nor pain. God uh, says that he has made all things new, and then he introduces this statement, Let him that is a thirst, or I will give unto him that is a thirst, of the fountain of the water of life freely. That is, uh, here is water for your thirst. Drink. And according to the context, it must be at the point of the end of the world and the point of the creation of a new heaven and a new earth because all things are made new at the point when all of God's elect are brought into that new creation in their new um, resurrected bodies, and they begin to dwell in fulfillment of all the promises of God uh, concerning the land. And yet God speaks of giving unto him that is a thirst. And, and that makes us wonder, well, as we saw also in our last study, John 7, verse 37, in John 7, 37, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And this is referring to the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, which that phrase, the last day, found eight times in the whole Bible. And six times you'll read, I will raise you up at the last day. The word will judge you in the last day. And so forth, it it has to do with the last day of earth. And twice it's used in association with the Feast of Tabernacles as God connects the last day of Tabernacles to the end of the world. And that would be the spiritual fulfillment of that third and final feast that uh, God had instituted and uh, and he had commanded all the Israelites, the males, to appear before him 
three times in the year in a place he would choose. And it was the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, or first fruits, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or ingathering, as they were held simultaneously in conjunction. And those three feasts, and, and we've talked about it before, we know that God spiritually fulfilled Passover at the time of the Passover when Christ, the Lamb of God, was hanging on the cross. We know that God spiritually fulfilled first fruits at the time of first fruits in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out and the first fruits, uh, all those saved during the church age, began to be gathered. And that left only the third feast, whose fulfillment would not be until the last day, until the end of the world. And that's one of the reasons, there's others, but one of the reasons why October 7th, 2015, is such a good candidate for God to complete the judgment. It is also the 10,000th day of overall judgment. And to spiritually fulfill the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles that falls on that day. And that would be the day then that the world is destroyed or passes away, the heaven and the earth, the first heaven, first earth pass away, and the time when God creates a new heaven and new earth. Or it would match what we're reading in Revelation chapter 21. But but how can God speak of quenching thirst? Let him that is a thirst, or I will give unto him that is a thirst. What does that have to do with the end of the world? What does that have to do with a new heaven and new earth? Doesn't spiritual thirst relate to being a sinner and in, and you're in your sins and you desire salvation? Well, yes, it does. Yes, it does on one level, but that's not the complete story. That's not everything that the Bible has to say about being thirsty or a thirst. Um, remember this psalm, Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, God moves the writer of the psalm to say in the first couple of verses, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So here we read of the desire of a soul. And this is the desire of the soul that is born again. The soul that God has given a, the new heart and new soul to the one he has saved. There, There is an ongoing desire for God to do the will of God, but also for God himself to appear before God. You know, that was the original situation at the creation. God created man in his own image, and God would commune with him. He would walk uh, um, amongst the trees, and, and it wasn't until man sinned that Adam hid himself when God showed up. And that's been the condition of man ever since 
running from God, fleeing from Him to the darkness. We, we cannot abide the light. It, it is too much for us in our, um, in our sinful condition. But when God saves the sinner, that relationship is restored and there is a desire to be with God. This is why a child of God reads the Bible and, and, uh, prays and, and spends time alone with God because we desire to be with Him. And it's why we look forward with a good expectation to the time of the fulfillment of all things, to the day when we can be with God and and dwe- He will dwell with us in the new creation of the new heaven and the new earth. In Matthew chapter 5, in Matthew 5, in the Beatitudes, we read, beginning in verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the meek would be those that God saves. They're the heirs of promise. And the promise is, you will inherit the land for an everlasting possession, God told Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And your seed after you. We are the spiritual seed in Christ. It is a promise to us. We, therefore, are the heirs of the earth. The earth or the land. Then notice what God says next in verse 6 of Matthew 5. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. See, God is speaking to his people, the blessed ones, and are those that he has saved and given the gift of eternal life. And they will hunger and thirst after righteousness. And this is why Christ says his body is meat indeed and his blood is drink indeed. There, and, and the Bible also tells us that Christ is righteousness. He is the personification of righteousness in, in every uh, bit of his being. He is righteous. And it is by the righteousness of one that many are made righteous. All those that God has determined to save. And, and he has imputed or counted Christ's righteousness to be our righteousness. We are made righteous. But even after God saves the sinner, and, and you know, God does... Um, place a desire or a hunger and a thirst in the life of a sinner uh, that he was drawing to salvation. And this would have been back in the time of the day of salvation when God was still actively saving. And and there could be an elect, a person chosen before the foundation of the world, and therefore God obligated himself to save that individual. And then that person in time was born and not saved yet in elect and at some junction in that person's life God begins to draw them to himself or to his word which is the same thing and yet they're still in their sins 
but now they're coming under the hearing of the Bible, and they're being troubled by their sins, and and they're seeing that perfect standard of God's righteous holiness, and they see they fail to measure up. They're learning about Christ as He is the end of the law, and and they're learning of His righteousness, and that it is through Him that their sins are forgiven and they can be counted righteous in the sight of God and they're beginning to desire and hunger after that and and again this would be in the time when God was saving during the period of the day of salvation and they would uh, be encouraged by the Bible and and by God's people to go to the Lord seek the Lord while he may be found cry out for mercy like blind Bartimaeus. And they would cry for mercy. Why? Because they desired, they hungered and thirsted after righteousness. And and they were not right in the sight of God. And they realized that. And so they were beseeching God for that righteousness. That is one way that, uh, yes, the people of God have hungered and thirsted after righteousness, but it doesn't end there. It, it's not after you become saved. Well, now um, I no longer hunger and thirst after God. I no longer hunger and thirst after his righteousness. No, it continues. That's why we read in Romans chapter 7, where the Lord moves the Apostle Paul, who is at this point, already saved, to write in Romans 7. I'll start reading in verse 19. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law, that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Notice the language. This is the Apostle Paul who is being moved by God to express the struggle that exists in the life of one that God has saved, because God has saved that person in their soul while their physical body continues as it was, unsaved. And and so the, the soul now has righteousness. It's made perfect. It's a new heart, new spirit, but the body is uh, impure, sinful, corrupt, and the soul has a desire to do the will of God. The body desires sin, and so there's the struggle. And there's also, as a result, another desire born. Before God saved the sinner... And when the sinner in the day of salvation, being drawn to God, could go to God and cry out, Save me, O God, 
He had in mind my soul. Save my soul. And, and God did, it, it, because he was an elect, save his soul just as God has saved all the souls of all the elect at this point. But after salvation of the soul, this struggle that Paul is relating in Romans 7 begins to develop and continue throughout the life of the child of God and the the believer, the true believer, is led to the point of desiring more. We were thankful, we're grateful that God has saved our soul, but now we desire the rest, the completion of this salvation. We desire that our body be transformed, that our body be saved, that we be delivered from this physical body because the body is sinful. And and just as God placed that desire within an individual to cry out to become saved, he has placed a similar desire within his people to beseech him to complete the salvation, to finish it. What, what the good work that God began will be performed at the day of Jesus Christ. It will be finished. It will be accomplished. And the new resurrected body, a new spiritual body, will be given to everyone that God has saved. But God allows a desire to be formed within the child of God and and then allows the child of God to cry out. Now, notice in Romans chapter 8, it says in verse 22 and 23, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit. We're saved, in other words. But it goes on to say, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. A groaning, a desiring, uh, who will deliver me from the body of this death? The people of God are not satisfied with partial salvation. They desire the total salvation of God, the completeness of his salvation, the perfection of that salvation in body and soul. And even the saints in heaven, remember as God gives us that glimpse of the souls under the altar. How long, holy and true, until you avenge our blood? But also, it's a cry out, how long until the judgment is complete? Because at the completion of the judgment, they will receive their bodies. There, There is an ongoing desire to be clothed not with um, 
mortality, but with immortality, to be clothed, as Second Corinthians chapter 5 tells us in verse 1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. You see the the strong, intense desire that is expressed in these scriptures by the saints of God, by the people of God. It is a hungering and a thirsting after righteousness. The righteousness of our body. We want our bodies made righteous. The righteousness of a habitation, an eternal habitation. We, we do not want to live in a corrupt land, a corrupt place like this world. We want it all to be made righteous. We desire all to uh, be finally purified and made holy. Now, let's go to Second Peter. In Second Peter, chapter 3, where God speaks of the destruction of the world and the promise of the new heavens. He says in Second Peter 3, in verse 12, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What What do the blessed ones uh, seek after, according to the Beatitude. Blessed are they, and I'm turning back there quickly, make sure I read it right, in Matthew 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And here God says, In the new heaven and the new earth dwelleth righteousness dwelleth Christ who is righteous dwelleth uh, again sinless perfection uh, there there's no more sin no more death uh, where all is made righteous and this is why the lord says i will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely and you know something I think is true. Of course, I have no way of knowing how it is with all of God's people. But I know it's true of me and others that I, I know personally and, and others that have expressed this, that since May 21, 2011, since the time we have entered into the the official day of judgment, the appointed day, this prolonged period of time, the people of God 
and and this is again true of myself, I know, have been longing and expressing a desire to depart and be with the Lord, which, of course, is more uh, wonderful if it would be God's will. They've been expressing a desire for this world to end, and it hasn't been something that uh, that people are expressing for any other reason except of a weariness, uh, of a tiredness, of uh, a sadness with the increased sin of this wicked world and and with our own uh, condition, with our own situation of living still in a body in this evil world during this prolonged period of time after May 21. Maybe it's just that we had thought we would go home. We were looking towards May 21, 2011 as the day of the rapture, the day of being taken up, the day of the resurrection, the day we would receive our new resurrected bodies. And God's people look for that time. And we were disappointed in that God had other plans. He had plans to further try and test his people and, and, uh, just, just a lot of things that we've learned from the Bible concerning this likely 1600 day duration for judgment day. And yet still though, there, there is this, this longing that will not go away. This, this thirst, this strong thirst of wanting to appear before God, of wanting to, to find ourselves in a new heaven and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And, and it so happens that God brings that up. He brings up this thirst at the point he ends the world, at the point he does bring in the new creation, and he brings in his bride, the body of believers, the whole company of the elect, all made new creatures themselves, and here I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Now you may drink of righteousness forevermore. Now you can learn of the righteous one forever and ever into eternity future. And and now righteousness dwelleth with you. You can drink freely at any point. And, and that's, that's what God is saying. And it's nothing short of amazing that the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles has that sort of language attached to it in John 7.37 as Christ is not doing what what uh, some think. He's not calling out the sinners in their sin and crying for them uh, to come. Uh, if you thirst because you're a sinner, uh, come drink and, and be cleansed. Well, yes and no. Not the ones that are in their sin that have never experienced any salvation, but he's speaking to the ones that have partial salvation, 
salvation of the soul that have experienced the first resurrection, come, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink now with the the total salvation, the complete salvation of your body. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.